Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend last week if you were celebrating Thanksgiving. I hope it was just a nice weekend if not for you. Um, I had a pretty relaxing time. I actually wasn't feeling very good on Friday. So I just kind of, I had a work plan on Friday, but I just rested instead and it was a nice weekend. But today I wanted to talk about fear tactics in recovery because I was just talking to one of my clients and someone told her that she, sometimes my clients work with therapists and other um, medical staff and things like that. And someone basically told her, you know that purging is going to kill you, right? You know that it's going to kill you. And that's not enough to stop you from doing this. And the person felt guilty. They were telling me like, no, that doesn't seem to be enough. And so if you're out there, you feel like you're that person who you know it's not good for you. You try telling yourself all the time that purging, binging, bulimia will kill you someday. Then this is the episode for you because I'll let you in on a little secret. I never found this method to be effective for me, and I don't think it's very effective for most people, not just in bulimia recovery, but in drug preven- prevention um, if you and alcohol prevention. If you think of um, like smoking ads, if you grew up in the 90s, if you're a 90s baby like I was, um, we had ads all the time growing up where it would like be people maybe smoking weed or something like that, so hardcore, and then the person would like they would exaggerate the symptoms quite a bit and make it seem like this person just lost their life to marijuana, you know, or they'd have other drug ads where they'd like show all the scary things that could happen if you got addicted to drugs. It was everywhere. And I don't know what kids see these days, but I'm assuming it's like that still, I'm not sure. But those ads actually weren't super effective. In fact, a lot of times what would happen is kids would assume that they were exaggerating the effects of the drugs and that it probably wasn't that big of a deal or they would think it was silly. So those ads weren't very effective. So it's not just for bulimia recovery, but I, today I want to talk about why it's not effective um, and some better ways to motivate yourself to recover that aren't based on fear. I'll first of all tell you a personal story from me that just didn't really help me, but it definitely stuck with me. I still remember this, but I watched a video. There's a video online um, I'm not going to, I'm going to be really vague about it because I don't really want people to go look it up. But when I was, when I first started realizing my first was like, oh, I'm bulimic. This is what's happening. I am bulimic now. Okay. Um, I tried my darndest to look up how to recover. You know, what should I do? I tried looking on YouTube and stuff like that. I didn't look that hard, truth be told, but I did find one channel in particular, and um, they were talking about the one thing people struggling with bulimia should see. Um, And basically they showed someone who had died from binging and purging, and they showed an image of them. Um, They were like found days later. It's like every bulimic's worst fear that they die while binging and purging. Um, And sorry, this episode might be kind of morbid, but 
it was awful. It was an awful image. And I saw that and I was watching this and the person was saying like, this will stop you. Um, I don't know if she said that exactly, to be honest. So uh, I don't want to, I haven't watched the video, but it's something along those lines. Um, and I was like, okay, I just got to remember this image. I got to remember that this could happen. And you know what happened after that? <laughs> no, yeah, the answer isn't, I stopped binging. I was miraculously recovered. No, I was just 10 times more stressed. Because not only was I still binging and purging, I still was justifying it, but I would then like every time I was purging or every time I was binging, I'm like, is today the day that my stomach rips open and I die over a toilet? I was so much more stressed out, so worried. And I also felt like shit about myself because I'm like, death is not enough of a motivator for me to stop. Like what the hell is wrong with me? So First thing I want to tell you is that fear is not really motivating for you because it's scaring the crap out of you. And do you know what's not good for bulimia recovery? Stress, anxiety, guilt, shame. Those feelings are what sometimes drive you to binge. That's what drove me to binge a lot of the time is feeling shame about my life, about my lack of a life, of my lack of being able to cope with anything beyond like my six hour workday and then trying to be a functional human being didn't, didn't help me. I felt so terrible about myself that binging felt like the only escape. And so tacking onto it that, Hey, you could die and you're still not stopping. Um, that adds a lot more stress and anxiety and fear and almost heightens the problem and makes you drive to the problem that is solving the other problems in your life. So that's the first thing, like, it's not necessarily great to tell someone, Hey, don't, don't stress out. And if you do stress out, you'll die. You know, they're just going to get even more stressed, but then Secondly, um, this is not the case for everyone struggling with bulimia, um, but in the case for me and some people that I see, you, you can be in a really depressed state when you're struggling with bulimia. You can be really down in the dumps. You can be really sad. And so there was a time in my life when death didn't sound so bad. And obviously, if you're feeling that way, go seek help immediately. Go talk to someone, call a friend, talk to a professional, go um, call a suicide hotline please don't mess around with that stuff. But there was a time where I felt like that and it was a really dark place in my life. And so the idea of death, honestly, in that moment, even though I know that that, that, that is not the case now, did not sound as bad to me. And so telling yourself you could die didn't necessarily, like I was already miserable. My real life felt miserable and I felt like I had no hope to recover or accomplish anything in my life. And so the idea of death just didn't seem as scary to me as it probably should have, um, or something like that. It just didn't help in that sense. So that's why it's also not necessarily an effective thing to tell someone. And it just makes people feel guilty. It's like, I don't appreciate that this person who I started out talking about in this call, you know, this person's trying to tell them it's not enough for you. Like that just makes them feel worse about themselves too. It's like, oh, there's this thing that could kill me and I'm still doing it over and over again. Also, usually when someone's saying that, like this could kill you, the things that we do, like every day we do things that aren't good for us, like sitting in an office chair for six hours at a time. That's not helpful for you. And you know, if you're not on it with your exercise, if you're not stretching regularly, if you're not moving around a lot, sitting for a long time, for six hours, eight hours at a time, will catch up with you eventually. It may not kill you, but it's definitely not going to be great for your body. Um, same thing with uh, smoking or let's say drinking a bit too much alcohol or drugs in that case. Like you can do a lot of things 
for a long time, you could have fried chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a long time, but eventually that could result in some serious health consequences. But the odd thing is humans don't necessarily respond really well to long-term consequences. We respond to immediate consequences. Immediate gratification is what we are much better at. So thinking, oh, in 20 years, I might die. Oh, in 10 years and 40 years, that's not that big of a deal. I can do it now. I'll stop later. And that's kind of how like it, you justify it over time. It's like, well, later we'll figure it out. We still have time. So death, like, you know, for the most part, you're probably not going to die right now. And then you can keep on going till it's too late. So that's another reason death isn't really, um, you know, fear of dying is not necessarily a great motivator. Fear tactics for bulimia recovery isn't great. And it's not just death people fear. It's like all the other symptoms. There's much, um, you know, living with teeth damage and esophageal damage, that sort of stuff. You can have some like uh, GERD is a really common after effect of bulimia. People struggle with that. Um, and lots of other stuff and just weakened bodies and health effects from that. But if they're not happening immediately, and sometimes even then, sometimes that stuff, if it's happening, can make you feel even more miserable, more hopeless. And then you're kind of in that position where you're thinking, what's the point? I'm already here. I'm already doing this. This is the only thing that makes me feel better. It's the only thing that makes me excited. So why not? I just had a consult with someone recently and broke my heart. Um, because the biggest reservation they had was on the coaching. They felt like it would have been a good fit. They just were having trouble seeing why they even wanted to recover. And I asked them, you know, what excites them? Because they were like, I just don't feel excited anymore about anything. And the, the thing that they felt most excited about was binging. I was just like, oh no, no. Like binging should not be the biggest part of your day, but it is for so many people. It used to be for me. That's what bulimia does. It really keeps you in this gray, isolated box. It sucks. Um, it makes you feel like that's the only thing you have to look forward to. It makes other things feel a lot less exciting because you've got this fucked up dopamine loop going on and you really don't care anymore and your priorities are all out of whack. It's crazy. Really quickly, I just wanted to read this um, quote from Atomic Habits. Uh, I know my favorite book, of course. Surprise, surprise. But I remembered reading this and I thought this was a really great example of what I'm talking about where you think fear tactics are going to actually encourage you to not do this detrimental habit that is so scary. But what tends to happen is like, like this, um, James Clear says, shaming obese people with weight loss presentations can make them feel stressed. And as a result, many people return their, to their favorite coping strategy, overeating. Showing pictures of blackened lungs to smokers leads to higher levels of anxiety, which drives many people to reach for a cigarette. If you're not careful about, careful about cues, you can cause the very behavior you want to stop. Bad habits are autocatalytic. The process feeds itself. They foster the feelings. They try to numb. You feel bad, so you eat junk food. Because you eat junk food, you feel bad. Watching television makes you feel sluggish, so you want to watch more television because you don't want, don't have the energy to do anything else. Worrying about your health makes you feel anxious, which causes you to smoke to ease your anxiety, which makes your health even worse. And soon you're feeling more anxious. It's a downward spiral, a runaway, runaway train of bad habits. So if you think, if you, someone in your life is trying to scare you into stopping bulimia, or you're trying to scare yourself into stopping bulimia, 
please stop or tell them to stop and tell them about this. Like it's not working. You already know that. And that's why I don't focus on, I don't think this podcast, I've in a few like episodes, like the purging episodes, I did go over the damages of purging because I think it's helpful to know the facts, right? Information is an important part of drug prevention and bad habit prevention, all that sort of stuff. But I don't need to shove it down your throat. You know, I don't need to just constantly remind you because you know that most bulimics know, most people struggling with bulimia know bulimia is not good for them. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you thought it was just totally fine, obviously. So I don't think it's helpful in this podcast to focus on, hey, did you know this could be harmful? Hey, did you know this? Could, you know you could die from this? Like, duh, of course. You don't need more stress added onto it. I think it's far better to focus on things that actually motivate you to recover and are motivational tactics that aren't fear-based whatsoever. So, okay, you can't motivate yourself from fear. You can, but it's probably unlikely to work. Or even if it does work, you're just going to be living in this constant anxious state. Um, I, as a child, was motivated through fear to not do certain things. And it left me feeling really resentful. Like I didn't do the things, but I definitely felt like confused and limited and like I was you know forced to do things in a way like I was adherent but it sucked so I don't really think living in fear is the best way to go but what should you do instead well you should find a reason to want to do those things that motivate you that feel good to you that come from an actual desire for from you which is why whenever people book consults with me or they consider working with me I always ask them why do you want to recover like, what are your reasons? And it sounds like such an obvious question, such a light, fluffy question. But it's probably one of the most important questions I can ever ask anyone because that is your motivation right there. That is the reasons that you use. We'll talk about some more things that you want to use in the moment when you want to binge, or you want to purge or any destructive habits. But the core of it really comes down to why are you doing this? Why are you going through the pain of getting rid of a coping strategy that is serving you in some way of overcoming, some, overcoming something that has become comfortable in your life to some extent and overcoming that will be difficult. Overcoming it will have some challenges, even if they're little ones or massive ones. Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, and knowing that and not, and most people then will say, well, I'm doing that because I don't want to die. I don't want to keep on going. I don't want to um, ruin my life. And then I try to ask, what are the positive reasons you are recovering? Like the other day I was talking to a client and I was trying to get, because she was feeling like low on motivation and feeling she had some good weeks and then a few worse weeks where she felt like her motivation was zero. And I asked her again, why are you trying to recover? What is the reason? And at first she's kind of like, well, you know, I just want to, you know, have a better life, that sort of stuff. And, and I want to, this isn't healthy. This isn't normal what I'm doing. And I started asking her about um, a wedding that she has coming up. I'm like, how do you want to experience that wedding? How do you want to enjoy it? How do you want to feel on that big day? You know, do you want to be worrying about bulimia or do you want to be experiencing memories, making new memories? And that got us on the subject of being a mom. That's a big goal for a lot of my clients. It's like, I want to be a healthy mom. And we talked about how actually what she's going through right now and the not just bulimia, but then recovering from bulimia will help her be a better mom. It'll help her be the best mom she can be because she's learning new mental skills. She's overcoming, overcoming something that's so hard. And those skills can be directly applied to being a mother. And being a mom who's free from bulimia, she'll be so much more present and so much more enjoyable and be in the moment with her future child. 
that is a huge, exciting, motivational reason to do something, right? That feels so much more motivational than you could die. A reason like that, a reason like I want to be a mom someday is some reason that, you know, it keeps you, it lights a fire underneath you, you know, makes you willing to walk through fire. And it's so much more joyful and, and it's exciting also. So maybe you don't want to be a mom someday, but maybe you're really career focused like me. Um, the idea of having a job where not only I could be financially stable and fruitful, but then also help people and have a business that makes a difference in people's lives. That was so motivating for me. Um, even in my bulimia, I was like, I want to do something more than what my job is right now. I want to have, do bigger things. And I want to be capable of that. And I knew after I started like working on my mindset, like the tools that I use for recovery, this is going to help me become that person I want to be. It's going to help me be the most amazing businesswoman I can be and beyond that. And it's going to help me in my life. It's going to make my life, my relationships better. It's going to be me more capable of handling life, more productive, all these things. That was exciting to me. So you've got to figure out the reasons that you are excited for recovery. Um, maybe they won't feel extremely exciting to you right now, but I'd really recommend that you do some daydreaming about what your life could be like if you were recovered. And you're going, your brain's going to want to offer you like some simple reasons and you're going to want to leave it at that. But I encourage you to like, at least write out a whole page on who the hell could you be if you weren't struggling with bulimia. And once you write it all out, your brain's going to want to say that you is gone, that you is not possible anymore. I promise you, you do not know what's possible for you until you get there. So a lot of things that you're dreaming about could be potentials for you. It's always like, we never think we're going to end up where we are. We never think we're going to end up with the people that we end up or the places that we go until we actually get there. And then we believe it. So find reasons that are exciting for you to recover. And that's my you know best advice always to anyone trying to recover and trying not to recover from a fear-based place is find reasons that excite you, that make you happy, that make you motivated, that make you want to cry from a place of being happy, not a place of being fear and worry and anxiousness and stress having like, that's why you work on projects. That's why you do what you do. That's why you take care of your kids. That's why you walk your dog because it makes you happy and it excites you, even though it's work and effort sometimes. The second thing I wanted to say that would be really helpful is surrounding yourself with people that are healthy, right? Look into your environment and the people you're with, not like the physical environment that you're in and the people that you're in and asking yourself, is this healthy? Is this encouraging the behaviors I want? If you're constantly keeping, like if your, your social media feed is full of people that are promoting dieting in like two weeks, losing 20 pounds in two weeks, and this is how you do it and intermittent fasting, maybe that's not the best thing for you to be taking in right now. And so just lowering these things can be actually helpful motivation for recovery because then you can have all of that chatter gone and be focused on your reasons and your exciting reasons to recover. And then also surrounding yourself with healthy people, both on social media and real life, people that eat normally, that are happy, that enjoy food um, and aren't just, they have good healthy balances with not only food, but fitness and life. Um, or you think about um, social media feed, if you're following people like that, people that follow me, they say, thank you for your regular posts because they keep encouraging me on my journey and they don't work with me at all. They never give me a single dime, but because they follow me, 
and, and constantly just hear the things that I'm saying, they're pushing themselves and constantly remotivating themselves to recover. That is the benefit of it. So no, it's not a fear-based tactic. They're saying, seeing me live my life and other people similar to me live their life and be um, fully immersed in it. And that's motivating. The people you surround yourself with really influence your behaviors quite a bit. It's pretty scary. So if you're surrounding yourself with people that are staying, maybe they're not all bulimic, but they're just encouraging bad behaviors or they are, or they are stressing you out, making you anxious, you need to revisit that environment and try to think, okay, what is working? What's not working about this? What do I want to change? Okay. Another thing is in the moment when you're trying to say you could die, don't do this. Not helpful, but also sometimes telling yourself, remember that those long-term goals you have that are far off in the future, that also sometimes isn't an in the moment effective strategy because in the moment you're wanting to binge and your emotions are heightened and all you're thinking about is now, 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 immediate gratification. This is what I want. So sometimes it's helpful to just think of the next few hours and then the immediate benefit you will gain for not binging or for not purging. Like I was just talking to someone today who was saying, I don't seem to get the same benefits of purging that I used to get. And actually when I purged, I purged on Monday and I felt horrible for the rest of the day. So it was really helpful for me the next day to remember if I purge, I think I'm going to feel worse. I think I'm going to feel horrible. I feel miserable whether I purge or not, but at least with when I don't purge, I can be more coherent and more with it. So I'm just going to opt to, to feel this feeling of fullness and discomfort, but not purge and it will feel better long-term. Just like long-term um, motivations of fear aren't necessarily affected because they're not immediate gratification based. Um, same thing with long-term happy reasons. Sometimes when it's late at night and you're tired and you've been trying all damn day, you really don't care about five years into the future, the goals that you have, everything like that. You just care about immediate gratification, immediate hit of whatever you want, the dopamine, the rest, anything. And so telling yourself, well, remember five years from now, you're like, I don't care. It's helpful to remind yourself then in that moment of how you'll feel an hour from, from now, if you just don't binge, or you just don't pick up that another bite of food, or you don't purge, how are you going to feel the next day? That is a shorter term solution. And it really reminds you of where you're actually at the reality of it is. Um, if you're having trouble even thinking in the moment with binging, go check out my episodes on like how not to binge and purge and pausing, thinking of immediate benefits that you will gain from not binging, even when you're in a mindset of this is all I have to do. This is everything I have to do. If you can try to cut through that stuff going on in your mind, it is possible, even though it's hard and remind yourself, this actually isn't as beneficial as I think it is going to be. Actually, I might feel better if I don't do this long-term and like long-term, I mean, one hour or two hours, I could just get to bed. If I could just get to sleep, if I could just get through the rest of the day, if I could just get myself away from the fridge, I will actually feel better. That's probably a more effective thing to remember in the moment than five years from now, bad or good. This is what's going to happen. None of those things are going to seem relevant to you in that moment. So you want to have like good, big, long-term reasons when you're just trying to recover and trying to remind yourself, keep yourself going. And then in the moment, you want to have those immediate reasons that are really helpful, the reasons that you don't want to do it, even though part of you really, really wants to do it. And that's where you've got to have that little cognitive dissonance and go with pick one side and keep on going and leave that alter ego behind. 
And then last but not least, create some alternative coping mechanisms. Um, this isn't really about motivations or fear tactics, but I think I just need to add that in there. Um, it's not just about having the belief. It's also about having other action items and other effective things that work to replace bulimia. And Lord knows that when you're taking away such a coping mechanism as binging or purging and or purging, um, you're going to have a big gap in your life. So trying to find other things to replace it with, this person that I was talking to, um, the per that that was told, you know, about is death not enough to encourage you to recover. That person also told them, um, how about you just run a mile after you have binged? And I think, I think it was coming from a good place, but clearly maybe this person just hasn't experienced what it's like to have just binged or be extremely full or they just aren't thinking clearly because that's kind of also encouraging um, exercise coping or like when you overeat, you run it off. The person I think was thinking, you know, that will make you feel better. And they're right. Exercise is a great strategy for de-stressing and people underestimate it. People think that when they're recommended um, to exercise, to elevate their mood and help with their depression, they think it's just a band-aid statement, but actually, actually exercise is one of the a very effective method for elevating your mood and re-energizing you. However, when you have just binged or you've eaten too much, or you feel full or you want to purge or you want to binge, the last thing you want to do is go for a run or go walk around or go do anything else. So it's not really a practical thing to ask someone that's going to take a lot of effort. It takes so much effort alone to change your thinking in that moment. You got to think about that. It takes It's like moving a boulder um, to just think and decide not to binge. So then after you've spent all that energy, you're then trying to expect yourself to go do something that requires a lot more energy. What could be better is the next easiest thing. So what I would do sometimes if I wanted to binge, when I stopped, I would immediately go to another room and I would go like sit on the couch or I would go lie in bed or something like that, or go play a game. I would do something else, but I would not stay in the kitchen and I wouldn't expect myself to go for a run or um, anything like that. But anything like that, but I would try to be super quick about the next thing I did and, and occupy my time in some other way, whether it was watching a show, like taking a bath or shower, like sometimes that's really helpful and easy, but anything that's just quick, something like that, sometimes lying on the floor was really helpful too. So something short and quick, but developing other coping mechanisms, other ways to distract, replacing binging and purging with something, that's also going to be an important piece of the pie when it comes to bulimia recovery. Um, but it's all going to come down to willingness. And I just don't think fear is an effective motivator. I don't think it's helpful in so many ways. And when it is effective, it leaves people in fear, right? They're just, they're doing it because they're scared, not because they actually want to, you know, fear can be effective, but living a life where you're not doing something because you're scared to do it. That sounds kind of awful. You know, there are societies out there that are built like that. Right. And those people have so much less freedom and they feel miserable and they are just living in constant fear and terror, which is not like, that's not a life for anyone. So you want to motivate yourself from places of desire, of excitement, of happiness, the more often than you want to do it from fear, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable of a life for you. So hopefully this episode helped you, especially if you are trying to motivate yourself from fear and then wondering why it's not working. Um, you're not alone and you're not crazy. It's just because you're a human being. And not only is it making you more stressed and more anxious, therefore driving you to your coping mechanism, 
but also it's just like so long-term in the future that you're not like when you're wanting to binge, you're wanting immediate gratification. So of course the, the, the potential long-term threat of death really isn't a big thing. Most people that aren't bulimic still struggle with that. You know, they know they probably shouldn't have their third cheeseburger today, but they go for it anyway. And that's totally fine. Like sometimes you do that. I'll give you guys a funny story to end the episode off with, because I think it's a really human moment for me. And I just, I just want to share it with you because sometimes people listen to this podcast and they think she has it all figured out. Or I do this with people too. I'm like, Oh, they're, they never make any mistakes. They never like procrastinate on work or they never go like skip something or they never miss up, mess up. So yesterday I was really busy these, this, this December month, I'm really working hard because I'm taking a vacation, um, in the last two weeks of December. So I'm trying like really hard to fit everything in my schedule and make sure that everything runs smoothly while I'm away. Um, but so it was really busy. And yesterday I just didn't eat enough. I was, I had my breakfast, but then I like skipped lunch, kind of was supposed to have a salad or something like that. And I was like, whatever. And then it was right before a workout and I was hungry and I needed, I knew I needed something. So I had some cinnamon toast crunch right before a workout, which is not the best thing to have before a workout (laughs) for multiple reasons. But I had that and I was like, okay, good. I feel less hungry, whatever. I did my workout. And then at the end of the day, it was like eight o'clock. All I had was breakfast, a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch, um, I was starving, right? I was ravenous. And I was like, Ugh. and then I was thinking to myself, um, all I have to eat at the house are like some Boca burgers and frozen broccoli. Gross. I don't want any of that. So I ended up getting like with my boyfriend, we ended up getting um, like fried chicken and bread and butter, like a big like thing of crusty bread with bread and butter. And then I also got some chocolates. Like it was, it was okay. Cause that happens sometimes, but it was such a perfect example of a human moment for me where it's like having the Boca burgers and the broccoli and like a nice treat that we already have at home, like some, like a little bit of ice cream, that would have been a more appropriate meal, but because if you don't feed yourself all day and you're working all day and then you work out, you're going to make worse dietary decisions and it's okay. Like I had the fried chicken, whatever, I'm going to survive today. I'm trying to feed myself more regularly. But it's just so funny that you can still, like when push comes to shove, your mind just wants that immediate gratification and you get hungry enough and you start making poor decisions. It happens to the best of us. So don't expect yourself to be performing at the superhuman level um, when it's just not how your brain works most of the time. Uh, consistency, motiv- happy motivations, and just taking care of yourself is what tends to work best long-term. So anyway, I don't know why that story was really necessary, but I felt like sharing it. Um, so there you go. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you found it helpful, please um, share it with a friend. If you know that they're struggling with bulimia or rating and reviewing the podcast really, really helps the podcast get seen and shared more. So thank you for that. And if you've already done that, thank you. I appreciate it. And for everyone that comments on the podcast or listens to it, or yeah, if you're just someone who listens to it every time it comes out, I appreciate that so much because it helps me. And it also is just so cool to think about the fact that this podcast is in someone's ears and is helping them um, get through their journey. So for me to you, thank you. Anyway, I think that's it. I don't know if there's anything else I need to tell you guys today. So I'm going to let you go. going to end it here. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, whatever you're doing. Hope you have a chance to relax, take it easy, um, enjoy some time with family and friends, whatever you want to do. 
Um, and I hope that you remember to never give up on yourself. Bye. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.